0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report. I'll take that again. Uh, It's a member of the Believe podcast family. That is B-L-E-A-V. That's why... It says, believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report on your favorite podcast app. Um, You know, if you guys spread the word and we grow big, maybe that won't be a thing. And you could just tell people it's the Comedy Bureau Field Report and you won't have to do this weird intro like I have to do all the time. Anyhow, on to this week's, you guessed it, illustrious guest. Uh, She has a short film touring through the virtual uh, film festival circuit. $16,000. One of the uh, favorite, my favorite comedy producers in LA when that was a thing that we could do safely. Uh, Simone Baptiste, everybody, give it up.
0: Yay, I'm here.
1: (laughs) Yes, you are. I like how you
0: mentioned the virtual festival circuit. What people don't like to talk about is the you know enormous amount of snacks that you get from doing virtual festivals because you're like five feet away from your fridge so mm-hmm. it's incredibly fulfilling you know in that regard otherwise right. not so much but you know mm-hmm. watch having your film be viewed through a computer screen you know something i always dreamed of but um <laughs> But, uh, you know, the snacks are good. Uh, <laughs> the panels are a little bit tough, um, af- you know, after you've done so many. But, um, right. yeah, the film has been doing well. And Bernie Reed great. and Ellington wrote mm-hmm. it and starring it. And they're awesome. And so we've just kind of been trucking along. <laughs> this right. past
1: year. And it touches on a topic that, you know, Biden is kind of going back and forth on
0: yeah biden would never let's like put the stream sure sure. yeah yeah. biden would never no 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 for one reparations but for two he doesn't even want to give out two thousand dollar checks so america got reparations last year and it was not enough money Um, It
1: it was a joke
0: yeah it was a joke it's kind of like the film we we must have like gone to like a fortune teller or something mm-hmm. ahead of time because everything just like lined up perfectly with like right. what's going on in the world. But right. yeah, it's, uh, it's a nightmare out here. I don't understand mm-hmm. why I'm still in this country. I think about that often, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Is there somewhere you can go? You have like dual citizenship or something? Simone?
0: No, because my, Parents. Well, my dad is actually an immigrant and mm-hmm. uh, gave up his citizenship in Antigua to come here. So, right. <laughs> um, basically, I don't know why <laughs> at right. this right. point. <laughs> Here's
1: a fun fact. So, I legally do have dual citizenship, but you want to know where the other place is? Where the Philippines?
0: Oh, yeah. Which is well, worse? Yeah, I mean, I see. Our my perspective of worse. Than here has like changed drastically over the sure. years. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I could see, you know, us being pretty much on par with like a Philippines at this point because if you
1: look at the news, it's still worse. It's still yeah, like
0: I've been down to our border and it was, it was bad. Um, sure. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's some things that I'd never thought I'd be able to see with like my own eyes, you know, yes. and, and it's happening here and, uh, yeah i did like a border solidarity trip um in 2019 mm-hmm. uh right around like all the propaganda around like the migrant caravan and all that stuff and i oh, get and the down there and, cages and stuff yeah well they're still in cages right I yeah
1: yeah, yeah they are <laughs> there's so many problems that have just been put on the back burner because we have this big thing uh this virus mm-hmm. and, yeah uh,
0: yeah and it's just yeah. that like and it's not getting better and it just it feels like um know. you know biden like got a new job and uh <laughs> yeah. he doesn't he forgot that you're supposed to like under promise and over deliver like he doesn't understand the dynamics of the workplace yet and right. so he's,
1: he's promising so, a lot because <laughs> he's so goddamn old
0: yeah <laughs> he's like you know you just come in there and you 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 uh, punch some numbers in, you fax something, and that's the day. And it's just, no, like we are at our worst moment in history, (laughs) like please help. And if you're going to promise something, you better deliver on it because enough Mm -hmm. is enough. it's much political talk
1: but <laughs> <laughs> i'm cool but i'm fine with it i don't I'd, mind uh, look I'd much like,
0: rather talk about furniture clearly. we
1: we will okay i mean this is what i wanted to get to really like you know how, how are you doing how is quarantine going where are you quarantine how is the furniture situation
0: i am quarantining on a uh, double chaise Um, that is the size of my entire living room it's bigger than my bed so that situation is is going excellent for me right now Um, (laughs) it's actually just what happens when you watch the news every day in 2020 and then Mm -hmm. you get a free couch bed and that's that's what you get so I I got mine and uh, and everyone out there can get yours too if you just want to if you just hope you know hope and pray just you hope or
1: there. hope to a certain place that you went to
0: <laughs> yeah exactly I you know I honestly I just was scouring the internet for couches and I found something that uh someone else had but it was oh, a custom. it was a custom couch and I was right. like oh can I do that right. and then it was a, yeah I can do that so I'm going to do that and so right. it was a very straightforward decision that I made there <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely so the position in which you spend uh, the majority of your time on this double chaise lounge what's important to you in uh in in that situation
0: i mean honestly you just melt away from the world so mm-hmm. literally like nothing is as important as you thought it was you know right. once you're on this couch but mm-hmm. honestly like i've made some achievements oh, off yeah? of the couch like i've beat Super Mario Odyssey. I beat Tetris. Um, So next up, Mario Kart. You know, I don't know if people out there like that game. I obviously have played it for my whole life, but there's (laughs) lots you can do on a couch like this, and I just can't sell it, and it sells itself. Like absolutely,
1: (laughs) I will. I will piggyback on that and say that you will. You do not have to go on an extensive hike to see the ocean to forget that there's a pandemic happening.
0: Exactly. Like, I don't even need a weighted blanket anymore. Like,
1: that's not... <laughs> Is there a better pool quote for couches than that?
0: <laughs> exactly. It's like, why, you don't even need a weighted blanket if you have this couch.
1: Yeah. I, I just am now picturing some listeners to this thinking like, A, what's a Shay's Lounge? And B, there's a double? What, what, in the whole world- of possibilities has just opened up.
0: I mean, that's how I felt when I saw it for the first time. So, you know, shout out to that person who took the steps so I could see I could do it too, you know. right?
1: Kudos, kudos. Furniture is important in these times, guys. Uh, Part of my unemployment went to going from a twin-size bed, which people always laughed at, uh, to a queen-size bed because I deserve it.
0: I mean, I honestly like don't need anything bigger than a queen size bed. Anyone who says they need something bigger than that um, are just like small people, I guess, you know, like I'm a, I'm a tall person and I'm saying to you, I don't need more than a queen size bed. So I just, you know, some people are out here overcompensating. It's disgusting.
1: Oh yeah. Unless you're shack size, you do not need a California King.
0: Yeah, my mom has a California king and she's by herself. She's divorced. So, that could be your life if you get.
1: That. <laughs> oh, what a portrait you just painted. Oh my god. <laughs> a woman. The, I'm imagining a woman in the fetal position just all the sheets around her and it's just negative space. Right? I mean,
0: yeah, like I can understand at the time like my dad is like Shaq sized, but mm-hmm. like um you know, what happens after you split up? You, you're you mm-hmm. left with the bed. Like, she should have just let him have the bed. Like, when we talk about dividing assets, are we not thinking critically? Like, right. you know, there are better ways to live mm-hmm. your life than being on a California King by yourself. It's very, it seems like right. very depressing, you know? That,
1: to me, is the price of spite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't get the bed that was made for you, but I will feel so so lonely
0: that's spite is most of it yeah when people yeah. are getting divorced it's mostly spite and you good on her you know I I'm the kind of spiteful person if I would do that if I would keep the California king I would immediately burn it afterwards you know like no yeah. one can have this bed you know cool.
1: Like that kind of thing. <laughs> cool 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 yeah or you would give it to some un- unhoused people maybe that need a bed
0: but it's haunted at that point, but oh, it
1: is ha- okay, fair. fair I fair.
0: think you know you don't want to send that bad like energy out into the world, right? Can you
1: like, like sage it or something <laughs> <laughs> you cleanse it?
0: i I guess so. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not a professional like cleanser, so uh-huh. I would I could try, but yeah, right. i I wouldn't want to put that energy out there, but mm-hmm. you know. Maybe someone else could get some use. You're right, so right. that's a good that's a good idea.
1: <laughs> so, if you have, if you were about to get divorced because you got engaged too quick in quarantine, I feel like that's going to be a big thing in mm-hmm. 2021. And you uh, are looking to get rid of a haunted bed. You know, just look anywhere in LA for somebody to cleanse yeah. it. I'm sure if you pay them the right price, they will stage it for you, and then you can uh, give it to unhoused people that need it
0: there you go see and you could literally cut that out make a commercial and you'll be basically starting up a new business in this in the city um yeah I honestly like I think about um just like why are people deciding now that they want to get engaged with the person they've been living with for like eight years like what is the difference now in quarantine versus like prior you know (laughs) like when he brought that up I was like you're right I've been seeing a lot more engagements.
1: So people think they live in this movie now um because this is an unprecedented time and they're like oh my god I've gone through such this like terrible unprecedented gruesome historic event with this person and we haven't killed each other yet so they're like the one right? That is like the majority of it.
0: I'm like, I'm glad I locked that down prior to quarantine because I was like, I already know, like, you know, my relationship, like I'd already been with this person, but if it were like solely because I was locked in a two room, like place or something like that's like Stockholm syndrome. That's not love. That's like, that's something else. But um I don't want anyone inviting me to their weddings. Don't ask me to be your bridesmaid. Don't ask me to do anything. I will just watch from afar or something. Right. Well, How many weddings have you had to be in? Like, have you had to be in anyone's wedding?
1: Like I have heart. gotten to go to two weddings. I haven't had to be in it. You mean like part of the bridal party? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, the first one I went to was uh, Hassan Minhaj's wedding and uh, there was a table of people who weren't um Indian or Pakistani. <laughs> and it was very clearly like, oh, this are the comedians. It's like the one table for white people. Well, and not
0: yeah, yeah. I haven't been like basically I haven't been to too many weddings, but I honestly, like after I got married, I was like, I don't want to go to anyone else's weddings anymore, which is very selfish. But it's just like, I don't want to be there. It's a lot of effort, um, but we got to do it because society tells us, I guess, I don't Yeah,
1: I hope that's a thing that people take away from quarantine is just like really how unnecessary weddings are. And like, you could save so much money if you just do the city hall thing. And then you mm-hmm. just rent a banquet room at a restaurant and say that you're not celebrating your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just have a party.
0: Yeah. I mean, the most important thing with weddings is like alcohol. And mm-hmm. I've been to too many that were like dry. And I don't understand. Don't invite yeah. me to be sober mm-hmm. at your party. Yeah. If like it's not my choice. Like I can if if I want to be sober that day, that's my choice, but yeah. I don't want you to make the choice for me. Right.
1: I think it's Roy Scovel's observation about that where he's like, why would you ever have a dry wedding? You're inviting me to watch your one-act play that you wrote. <laughs> and we're just supposed to sit there and just watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, I've had to go to a couple of those. yeah, uh, you know,
1: Uh, 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 Hassan's (laughs) Hassan's wedding was a dry wedding but he had he had the courtesy to do it in hotel. so if you wanted to be rebellious you just go to the lobby
0: oh okay
1: (laughs) which a contingency of us did
0: see that's better um literally the other ones that I went to were like literally like nowhere else to go so (laughs) that was not as fun but it's okay it's
1: okay yeah maybe no more destination weddings huh
0: Oh, don't okay. Now I feel very much attacked. No, just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, is there a double standard here, Simone?
0: Well, you see, I I was that person who was like, uh, I'm gonna go get married in Mexico because I also just didn't want to invite my family to my wedding. Like, so <laughs> I was like, what is the way that I can save money, right. have a small wedding and all the people that are like kind of flaky in the family or people that I don't really like friends I didn't really want to invite I could just be like oh but it's out of the country do Mm -hmm. you have a passport Mm -hmm. you don't oh I'm sorry you're just gonna have to look at the pictures you know what I mean right
1: right right and
0: and honestly it was great because it was like literally such a small wedding but Mm -hmm. I got to you know, be on vacation at the same time and everyone else got to be on vacation. So it was kind of fun.
1: See, I think I'm pro what you're doing, but I think a lot of people with destination weddings, they want to be like, all right, just drop everything you're doing for like a week and (laughs) pay for your own way there. And, uh, you know, have formal wear for every single day.
0: Oh God. Yeah. No, like basically I was like, look, this is the deal you only have to be, like, at the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need, I don't need to see you every day, like, and come down on the days you want to come down on, and if you want to stay after the wedding, feel free. Like, there are people, like, literally who stayed after, like, a week after the wedding because they just didn't want to leave, and so Um. it was just, like, a good vibe in that sense where I was, like, you know this is good. Um, I can just be in the pool, like drinking Patron all day, and mm. no one's gonna bother me. And it was great. Like that's the perfect wedding. <laughs> that's a ideal. But I get it. Like I, I do know that destination weddings are like pretty horrendous most of the time. But um, I, I just didn't want to have one in the states because I knew more people would come. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, that's yeah. great.
1: that is great um you know I want to hear more of what you've been doing comedy wise Mm -hmm. in a bit uh with $16,000 and everything else but let's get to just a bit of comedy news is that all right yep cool (laughs) first off uh this week spotify uh announced that they were expanding to 80 new markets um mostly uh to countries where their gdp is less than the actual value of spotify yeah um i but it, it does make me curious like you know that does mean that people in like albania or afghanistan can listen to comedy albums from the united states or england or australia um yeah. and i mean it, it. it is sort of the move to ha- anybody who's making a comedy album especially if you're uh, someone who isn't uh, famous enough yet to do a special uh i mean that's kind of how you get your stand-up out there um yeah i mean think this is
0: gonna spotify, do anything for anybody spotify just wants to be like Apple music now right and like they were trying to differentiate themselves so much like up until this point and now it's like no you're just gonna be like this like transnational corporation like yeah we get it like you started your company in like I don't know Sweden or something like we get it when you have great maternity leave or something like but now it's just like no we're just straight up like corporate we're gonna try to expand everywhere but I can see the positives for the comedy community
1: <laughs> sure yeah uh,
0: but also like yeah I don't I don't understand do people like podcasts in other places it's <laughs> like I'm so ignorant to the um so, to the current state of podcasting in Africa or something you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, same here. From what I understand, it, it is only the most avid of podcast listeners that use like a bunch of different platforms. Like, I, I don't know anybody that exclusively listens to podcasts on Spotify. Like, that is why Spotify signed Joe Rogan to a $100 million deal and mm-hmm. got exclusive streaming rights to stuff like Last Podcast and the Left and like other big podcasts. Like, they've been really shelling out. So it's like, just stay here. And don't put your podcast anywhere else. (laughs) Um, Not unlike streaming services where it's like the show only lives here. And so you have to buy our service if you want to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I can understand that. It's just like, it's, I think there's a lower barrier to making podcasts that like naturally people who like to do it might want to have more than one. And like, then it's like, but if you're a person like a Joe Rogan or someone who's like ultra famous, then it's like, how do you actually capitalize on the the person it's still capitalism and it's still like Mm -hmm. it is what it is but um i can understand like why they would do that because it's i guess the ad revenue is still not as big as like tv ad revenue it's still like in the middle so if your talent is like making other podcasts Mm -hmm. and their their audience is going to that podcast then you basically Mm -hmm. like wasted your money (laughs) trying to start up a new one with them um but i guess like i guess uh, we'll see what happens spotify is really out here trying to show up every other um you know streaming audio service company whatever yeah Um, do
1: do people even talk about title anymore
0: Oh, I almost forgot what title was. I, you know, the old,
1: funny enough, the only person I even hear, or like, see, like, mention title is the one and only person is Ziwe. Oh, she, really? She, like, instead of posting, like, a song from, like, Spotify or something, it's always from title.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know who paid for title. Like, that's that's the other big mystery that mm. has never been solved in my lifetime. But maybe in another lifetime, Right. who was paying for title and like why you know what I mean right. <laughs> now I, I checked out on Spotify like Beyonce's Lemonade is on there and it used right. to not be on there so I'm oh, like yeah. did they just give up and they're like oh no one's paying for title let's just put Beyonce's stuff on Spotify yeah and so obviously Spotify won in that in that arena but yeah. I, I don't know who was paying for title
1: Me either. I feel like there was sort of a quibby element to it in the sense that like people signed up for a free trial and then some people forgot to unsubscribe.
0: Um, that's a good model when you're trying to scam people. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah,
1: they forgot the uh, the unsubscribe date or like, and it's going to (laughs) charge my credit card. Damn, I'm like
0: literally sick of that model. Like, Mm -hmm. and everyone's doing it. You know, I'm just like, why, like. Why don't why not just like when the free trial is over, just say, Hey, do you want us to charge your credit card again? Like there's no like you know, no back and forth, no right. like opt-in, opt-out. It's just like, oh, right. we got you now, you know.
1: Yeah. Because they know that you would say, No, do not charge my credit card. Yeah. And I watched as much stuff as I could, and you know, it's okay, but um, i'm I'm good with just paying for hbo max
0: yeah i hbo max is like a given like everyone was gonna get that one because like they come out with good shows on the regular so it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not like you're gonna get scammed now at this point um actually at one point disney plus was not was not there but right now with like WandaVision and still Mandalorian season two and like they're in all the new Marvel shows that Mm -hmm. will be coming out I'm just like okay now you got my money but there's like other platforms like Peacock where I'm like why would anyone buy this like it's there's nothing there
1: like (laughs) nothing there Yeah. And that's just going to keep happening more and more. And then inevitably bundling is where it's going to go or people have been trying to do that, but it's just like, I mean, if you can sell to customer bases, the idea of like, all right, you just got to pay one thing and then you get all the things Hmm. like a cable package. It's just going round and round and round.
0: Well, some of them are bundling and I hate that I know this, but like um, discovery plus Mm -hmm. that's the food network that's tlc Mm -hmm. that's hgtv that you know these are all the things you watch when you're sick at home so how are you not going to have this so basically Uh i'm basically like um really deep into the 90 day fiance cinematic world so
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, wait it's just one show right they haven't like no no
0: no no um, okay the top like four reality shows on tv period mm-hmm. on cable nets um are 90 day fiance 90 day fiance what now 90 day uh-huh. fiance happily ever after right. and 90 day our fiance before the 90 days and then i think in like the top six it's like 90 day fiance the other way and so they have <laughs> they, wait the these- bachelor
1: doesn't even crack
0: that that's on major network oh, okay okay on cable nets tlc has like all the top shows and it's ridiculous um because they're beating out like everyone like usa and all these other ones that everyone forgot about but right. um yeah i think like m- well right now luckily mm-hmm. um my mom still pays for cable so i'm mm-hmm. still able to authenticate and get my 90 day in but that day that she decides to cancel her cable i will be the first person to sign up for discovery plus like i was like this is such a deal like right. i can watch all my 90 days and the extra bonus content right and i'm set you know like if there's nothing else on tv i would be i'd be set still like it's fine
1: can yeah. we cut this and send that to discovery so we i can get ad money for this <laughs>
0: I'm sorry like you're not monetizing right? No, I'm just um
1: I could add something.
0: yes yeah. No, if you really like you should get into 90 day. There's mm. plenty of audience for 90 day podcasts because Oh, I
1: know. There there <laughs> as you know, there are plenty of 90 day fiance podcasts
0: now there are but I was there before you know like I Good. was I was one of the OG 90 day fans and right literally when everyone finally woke up and saw like what it was and how mm-hmm. amazing it was like I was like look you don't even know who these old cast members are like you have to catch up like I would tell people <laughs> I was like if you're not going to go rewatch the old seasons like you're not going to understand right. like because they'll just pepper in those people again you you won't understand the context so um, <laughs> it really
1: it really is a universe
0: it is a universe <laughs> and it's the reality but it's great
1: i would all right so i got a question how much further does 90 day fiance have to go in terms of like the their expanse of their universe to rival the bachelor?
0: honestly the bachelor to me is for old ladies like (laughs) like if you're watching the bachelor now like i don't understand your process like i tried to get into it and i was like but 90 day fiance is giving me so much more like i don't want to watch one person make out with like 20 people like Mm. that's disgusting to me um but (laughs) just like (laughs) gross i don't know ill you know um but i think and
1: it's so the the transparency of how fabricated it is is so clear whereas there is like some genuine tension to 90 day fiance
0: yes honestly like the producers of that show are amazing meaning like i can tell how sadistic they are based (laughs) off of what they are asking people and yes we know reality producers are gen like generally like this but on a show like the bachelor like you kind of are hate watching i guess to an extent where you're just like well they're gonna be gone next week anyway so i don't have to invest my my energy and my emotions into this person but 90 day you're so invested into these people because it's the same people and they're on for multiple seasons you know, and so you get so invested and then the producers ask them this wild ass question. You're like, oh shit. Like, it's like, they always have like a bag of tricks like up their sleeve. <laughs> like there was a whole season where a guy was just like, I'm gonna try to meet up with like my online girlfriend and she'd never show up. And he flew to Ukraine like three times and he like, n- she would never show up. <laughs> and then one of the, like, like almost towards the end of the season. There was an interview with the girl that never showed up. We we all thought she didn't exist, and everyone's minds were blown. We're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my god, she exists, and she just didn't show up this whole time. (laughs) Oh
1: my god, it was amazing! It was amazing.
0: Um, you know, she was kind of like a flake. Um, I don't think she really liked the guy because the guy was like kind of creep, like he hired a private investigator even in her country to try to track her down. And I was like, ew, like gross, like, please go home. Um, But like, she, you could tell she wasn't into him. I think she just like wanted a cell phone or something like the (laughs) lengths that woman will go for a cell phone.
1: (laughs) Oh my God.
0: But you know, like that was like a, uh, a rare incident. Most of the time it's like really funny how now the people coming over, like to get on these fiance visas, they're like, "Wow, America's like really shitty," and I had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like now we're seeing other people from other countries be like, "Wow, America's like a piece of shit. Like, I don't even want to be here." Right. <laughs> and it's like it's yeah. like turning the tables on the whole thing, which is pretty fun, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it's in incidental social commentary from ninety day fiance. Um, which I'm sure the producers are eating up because it makes good television.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Although <laughs> I
1: have yet to leave. I mean, my apology, I hope I, I won't offend, but I just don't do reality TV.
0: Honestly, like, I don't blame you. It's addicting. But yeah. I can say that this is the show that has brought couples closer together, like in real life. like basically, mm-hmm. I can watch that with my husband. I have coworkers who watch it with their partners. Like it's really interesting because it's not like this girly show like The Bachelor is or something. Like it's really like slice of life kind of TV, which is sure. really interesting, but but also bizarre. It's just yeah. a little bizarre.
1: <laughs> Actually, I take that back. I will say I do watch couples therapy on Showtime.
0: I have not seen that, so it's great it
1: because okay. it's real. <laughs>
0: It's yeah. real,
1: really real. And oh my God, some people are just straight up assholes and are not hearing what a therapist says.
0: I just like shows that I can watch and just feel embarrassed for that person, you know, like that's that's the kind of shows I like to watch. Um yeah.
1: my, my roommate calls that secondhand embarrassment. That is her official <laughs> term that she has coined.
0: Oh god, yeah, yeah. that's accurate. That's accurate.
1: Yeah, that she, that's it. Sometimes it's too much for her. And she's like, I can't watch the show because of secondhand embarrassment, because I get too embarrassed for (laughs) the person. And like, Pen 15 is like the line.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like cringe, you know, I like cringe Mm -hmm. TV, whether it's narrative or unscripted. It's like, it's that's that's where I get my jollies, I guess. That's like my adrenaline rush is just feeling other people's embarrassment.
1: (laughs) I get it. I get it. (laughs) um second news story uh z-way who i name checked earlier the the leading member of (laughs) title that should be her her credit rather than all the other amazing things she's done uh z-way uh who blew up last summer because of her ig live show adapted from her youtube series baited uh is going to have a variety series uh premiere on showtime with the name z-way um and it will premiere may 9th sunday may 9th on showtime uh that was just announced uh today as of this recording uh it's you know it's one of the few things i'm like looking forward to in terms of like new television
0: i think that we should just give more black women variety shows and see how (laughs) it goes i think like I think honestly, um, it's a good move for Showtime and I'm excited for it too. So, you know, I honestly was like very bummed out that like, um, she blew up like during quarantine because i was like i never actually really got to book her on any shows or anything like that like (laughs) yeah i guess that that ship has sailed but very cool for her so you know i'm sure there will probably be other people that we know that will pop up on the show so that should be interesting
1: right but hey don't count yourself out you you're on you're on a, a rise as well and maybe you'll get to a point where you get to work with Z-Way.
0: i mean yeah like famously basically, famously yeah basically i put out on twitter like <laughs> this past week i was like hey i'll direct someone's comedy special like just look give me the shot because right. at this point like um you know in quarantine like there's it's like you're either going to be doing a lot or doing a little. And it seems like um, the idea of doing another film right now is like so hard for me to wrap my brain around. Like, it's like, we need a vaccine. We need shit Mm -hmm. like on, you know, on the mend for me to just like keep doing film. But the idea of a comedy special, super easy, super simple. Like I could totally do that. Because of just like having the experience in the background and like docu style filmmaking and stuff too, but right. yeah, I'm just like Z way. If you want me to do your comedy special, I'm sure Showtime will be asking for a comedy special coming up soon. Like yeah. you know, i you know how I, this goes, You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> I have no doubt it's written into her contract.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, Z-Way, if you are listening, <laughs> <I'll> hire <laughs> Simone. And uh, yeah, to your point about like giving more Black women opportunities, there, it should be at a point where a show, like a show with Black women uh, doesn't need to be called a Black lady sketch show because it stands out.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like that title still throws me. I'm like, but we know though, because it's like you can see the poster, but yeah. Um,
1: but that's not for us that's for other people who are like oh really and you think those people
0: do sketch
1: yeah (laughs) those those are the people that paid for title
0: (laughs) yeah um I think like just generally like we need some um new voices I guess like Mm. getting opportunities because like that just keeps things interesting we don't want Mm -hmm. like comedy to get stale and like you know same people over and over so i think this is a good move for showtime so we'll see how this goes
1: yeah i i wholeheartedly concur and i'm very very excited uh for z-way and uh what's uh, happen with that in addition to her book deal and all the others making every single list list for everything not just comedy (laughs) she is just like a person to watch
0: yeah. Um, and it's incredible what like one year will do. <laughs> so maybe yeah. like next year will be like my year or something, you know. I hope
1: so. so. <laughs> Speaking of which, why don't we move on to what you have been uh up to and how your short film sixteen thousand dollars has been doing. Actually, if you if you uh will, could you like break down what the film is? Because a, a large majority of people have not gotten unfortunate chance to see it
0: yeah i the film is um it's a film about reparations that imagines a world in which the government decides you know that they just want to throw some negroes some dimes and literally in the form of like a sixteen thousand dollar check which is a very low amount of money um maybe like rent for a year so maybe not actual reparative justice for slavery and all the crimes that followed slavery (laughs) so um so it kind of starts off on that foot and Brody Reed and Ellington play siblings and um Brody gets a $16,000 check and he contemplates like you know what he can actually spend it on that would be like altruistic or like Mm -hmm. worthwhile because it is just kind of feeding back into a capitalist society, and you know, and Ellington is on the opposite end of the spectrum. She only gets eight thousand because she's half black, and so there's an issue <laughs> with that. Okay. But but she's ambitious, so she's gonna use her money plus Brody's money and try to start up a business that exploits white women. And so, uh, <laughs> so that's kind of like where we set the stage. But um, it's a fun fun little short we have like almost every black comic in the la alt comedy scene in the film they tell people not to do that though it's like it's like if you're gonna do a short film you're like supposed to have like maybe like five actors topped and we're like no 30 you know and so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah who told you that a white person
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we like we have a ton of people in it um great performances from david borey alice wetterland uh janelle james makes a cameo josh fadum makes a cameo um great. we have everyone we really do so it's been a great festival run um mm-hmm. and we went to 15 festivals we won wow. three of. We, yeah like it's a lot that's what before this conversation we were talking about you know just you know how it is to like experience or experience your film being you know shown on a computer screen it doesn't feel that good but it's like you know I'm glad that whoever got to see it got to see it
1: (laughs) so (laughs) because all Um, of them have been virtual right
0: um all but one so our very first one was in LA and it was in person and we won that festival and then we went on to win two more festivals and now we're at slam dance so basically the peak you know the you know, basically the angsty sibling to Sundance, so. <laughs> but but it's um, very fun, um, very a lot of good films in there. I don't know if you've gotten a chance, Jake, but it's it's worth way more than the ten dollar festival pass because they're just like incredible films um, at Slam Dance this year. So okay. if you have time, like there's this great documentary um, called Bleeding Audio, and it's like um, it has like interviews from like mark office and like all these like um i don't know if you're into that dumb like emo scene and stuff <laughs> um
1: i explicitly hate it i hate emo <laughs> and pop punk like with a passion um it okay, may be maybe very marginalized in high school
0: maybe not for you then but it's okay mm-hmm. i thought thing.
1: he was i thought you were gonna bring up that he was gonna talk about aliens but i guess not
0: Uh, no 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 like it was very it's just about like a band that never made it but should have made it and it's like oh yeah yeah Yeah. it's like one of those documentaries that Mm. is kind of cool because all these like now famous people are like yeah they should have been famous too but shit got fucked up and you know you know how documentaries go shit got fucked up and then it (laughs) didn't happen
1: Yeah, it's usually in the shit got fucked up moment. It's like that's the documentary that like you know the director has been like, what is this story? I don't know. We'll just keep keep filming, keep filming, and then that's how they find it. Oh, shit got fucked up, and that's yeah. That's the look.
0: If you if shit doesn't get fucked up, it's not worth my time. You know, like as a viewer, but but yeah. You know, documentaries take like seven years to make and I just don't know how people can live with a project that long like it's a, a very long time. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah. But beyond that there's just a lot of interesting cool stuff. Um, so we're just like in very good company at Slam Dance, and That's great. Um, Yeah honestly I was like this is awesome because we literally got to do like one of the top festivals in the country and so and even in the world I guess technically because usually it's like right across the street from Sundance and so like I didn't get to experience the Park City Utah and like all the intermingling and the parties and all that stuff but but maybe on my next film or something. Yeah (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: I mean, to that point, um, you know, you've had a good festival run. Has anything come from this?
0: Yeah, in a sense. So basically, we've gotten reached out to, um, to start pitching this as a series, and so, Brody Ellington and I have been like actually working pretty hard for the past few months, like developing the short into what would be a show. And Mm. so we are still pitching now and like, um, basically, super excited to see like what what a like post reparations world look like, but also through this like, like, incredibly stupid lens. Like it's, you know, it's just like, um, the idea that we can still tackle like um, subjects about like capitalism and socialism and all that stuff, right. but really ground it and mm-hmm. um, just make it really fun to watch. It's kind right. of like what sorry to bother you was, but like yeah. TV show version, you know. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say FX should pick that up,
0: and yeah i FX if you're listening <laughs> this shows yeah,
1: you. Donald Glover's gone. He's <laughs> gone to amazon guys. he's he's not yeah. gonna be your cash count anymore.
0: It's basically like um like what we're calling it is like it is like basically always sunny meets, sorry to bother you. like it's very much um, you know, we get to reset after different episodes and tackle new subjects. but all under the guise of like, okay, reparations already happened. It it was like a really stupidly small amount of money. So how does money and power, you know, affect the black community? And especially if it's like new money instead of old money and like, what does it change? Does it change anything? Um, Or like, does, do perceptions change, you know, from like, so basically it's a really fun concept, and like we're like super stoked to, you know, see if anyone wants to buy it. So I hope yeah.
1: <laughs> they do. Outside of Watchmen, do you even know any other TV series that even attempt the idea of reparations?
0: No, I mean Watchmen was incredible. Like oh, uh, yeah. that was a really phenomenal um story. Like that they were able to interweave into like you know the, the comic book you know aspect, all that stuff. But I just thought it was a cool. Cool way to integrate reparations into a story um so yeah no but, And on the other end of the spectrum though like yeah. we're doing comedy right. and the only person who's done it is like dave Chappelle in like one sketch
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> like <laughs> key and peel didn't even do it in a sketch
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like um it's just one of those things that never goes away. Right. Like right. we're still talking about reparations and people are still interested in, you know, hearing about it or watching things about it. So right. honestly, like I, um, you know, I'm just ready to put this kind of story into the world so that people can like enjoy it because there's so many elements to the short that like, it's like, uh, it could almost be true. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we have an app in the film called picket fences that mm. you rate people from cool to honky and like <laughs> it's like the yelp of like white people basically um and picket
1: people, fences that's perfect
0: <laughs> it's amazing but like right. everyone who's watched it is like wow i need that app and i was like well if we make it into a show i'll make sure that app happens like just like as a stunt you know right just right, like right a marketing stunt but i think it's it's funny because um, you know we act, like I, I like stories that have new things that they bring new things into the world and like that's like one of them where I was like Brody killed it on that I was like that's a great app idea and I can't <laughs> believe that we made it come to life in the short film so yeah that's great
1: I really sincerely hope it gets picked up as just a way like you said to get that story out there um, is. All right, so it's at Dance right now. Do you have any intention of putting it online just to have people watch it wherever or whatever?
0: Yeah, you know, we've gotten asked to possibly distribute it like through um, an online platform. I'm still debating because once it's out there, it's out there. <laughs> and right, so right. I think like what I would like to do is hold on to it for a few more months and then mm-hmm. kind of see because we have like, we I'd have to basically... Do it right where we have to license all the same music that's in the film and all that stuff. Like, we used like Channel Trace and we used right. Open Mike Eagles music and like. Right we like that's what makes it so good too because it doesn't feel so generic um it feels like real life like you know what I mean when you when you're hearing good music and you're hearing good comedy it just feels like natural and real and so yeah I yeah I don't want to put it out there with some like generic library tracks or something (laughs) like I I don't want to have to re-music the film so yes I'd figure out a way to get it out there like and keep its integrity for sure
1: well, wherever it ends up, I really think people should watch it. Uh, it. you know, it's fun and important. I mean, I mean, not to oversimplify it, but, um, yeah, that is really wonderful that that is we're uh, like headed in a good direction, even while everything else is happening. Yeah, so out- that's
0: like the benefit of making a film right before quarantine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just right under, under you know. that line. Um, outside of $16,000 and furniture, what else has been going on?
0: You know, um, I've been doing a lot of, like, political talks and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which has been taking up a lot of my time and really, like it's been beneficial when it's like been for audiences who want to just simply learn more about reparations which i i'm glad to fill that void you know right. and i've spoken to colleges and the students are like so so amazing at some of these right. schools where i'm like they're so into it i was like oh wow we got the black teen audience on lockdown with sixteen thousand dollars but also cool. there is some more you know to it but the besides that, like, um, I've been writing a lot. I've been basically trying to figure out um, my next project, you know, which it's a little hard to be creative when you're like, when can I actually make something, but I'm trucking along. I have lots of ideas. Um, One being, like, I am writing a feature right now that, like, reimagines the Asada Shakur story um, Mm. as, like, a a prison heist film because Ooh. I like heist movies and right. also this is like one of the only black like triumphant stories uh that we don't necessarily retell as a triumph but it totally was because she totally beat the state and broke out of prison and got to Cuba and right. like I would love to be in Cuba right now you know I just <laughs> that. so yeah I think and also the precursor to that was actually um Another heist at the COINTELPRO or at the FBI offices in Media PA, Mm -hmm. which is right outside of Philadelphia. And this basically COINTELPRO um, heist was where they discovered all the documents that truly exposed the FBI for what they were doing to social movements and activists back then and surveilling them and all that stuff. Yeah, one of the people. Straight
1: up assassinating them.
0: Yeah, exactly one of the people involved in the heist was like a temple professor. I went to temple university. And so when I was in school, the statutes of limitations had actually expired. So he was able to come forward and say, Hey, that was me. Like, you know, just like really throw his dick on the table. Like, <laughs> hey, that was me. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. Another cool element about that is uh, it took place um, on the night of like, a big um, uh, Muhammad Ali fight Uh, and so like everything about it is like this sounds like a movie so I'm just gonna it sounds like Ocean's Eleven. (laughs)
1: Great.
0: (laughs) So Uh, I've been piecing that together and having lived in Philly and um, Mm -hmm. you know went to Temple and all that stuff like I just think it would be a hell of a film um, and better than Queen and Slim because they died at the end so
1: there you go. (laughs) (laughs) how how
0: blunt can i put it out there for you people it's like (laughs) i don't want to see any more trauma porn right do not kill people at the end of your movies when they could escape they could that was a fictional character or they were fictional characters they still Mm -hmm. died at the end so that's messed up
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh to your point about like there there's not enough of you you said like victorious stories Mm -hmm. i mean like until that uh drunk history about harriet tubman like i don't think the story of her what she did in the civil war was well known
0: yeah no that's because our schools suck so that's that's that you know we live in america
1: (laughs) yeah or uh who's a garrett morgan his story doesn't get told
0: no like i think like overall we need to stop with the um trauma porn because yes we understand those are the only movies that hollywood will give us oscars for but i don't care i'd rather see anything else at this right. point like i'd rather see you know two black people sit in a diner for two hours than mm-hmm. like watch 12 12 years of slave again you know right. like i think
1: so, that... <laughs> remake coffee and cigarettes <laughs> but with just black people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure
1: it will be more entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we don't need to see. Yeah. I want to talk about people who were painted as, you know, criminals in the past, but history has proven them to not be. You know what I mean? Like, right. I like what, the Fred Hampton movie, mm-hmm. amazing. I don't know if you got to watch Judas and the Black. Yeah. I, I
1: got to see it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, even though. Yes, someone dies at the end, but I think um, that was painting him in a different kind of light than even our history textbooks had you know like where when anytime we'd come up on black history in school it's like mlk he was nice because he was nice to white people and then it's like uh malcolm x he was mean because yeah. he was mean to white people and it's like and, that's how history is right, like- right
1: right right. <laughs> and fred hampton was not even in the textbook
0: exactly right and so I like that movie. I think is incredibly interesting. Um, the performances were great, but also it showed the COINTELPRO in motion, um, mm-hmm. and so we need to keep telling those stories. Like that's what happened to Asada. Basically, mm-hmm. the COINTELPRO was working hard to try to incriminate her on like for crimes that she had not committed. Um, she is actually the only like woman on our like terrorist like watch list in this country like she is the only one um, Really? yes and wow. she's still on it and she must be like in her 70s or something by now Jeez. um it's just like bizarro like mm-hmm. i think there's at one point in uh, the trump presidency where he was even bringing her up like cuba needs to send her back or something and oh, i'm just like this is still going on like Mm -hmm. And she's such a hero to so many people, especially after the BLM uprisings. And, you know, they quote Asada all the time, like at their marches and actions. And I'm just like, she needs a a better story out there. And I'm like, what's better than breaking out of prison and winning and getting the fuck out of here? Because I would love to get the fuck out of here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. That's what I'm writing. That's what I'm doing. Amazing. I, yeah. I
1: think that yeah it's definitely a movie I would want to watch versus whatever there's so much stuff that Hollywood is hoarding because they're like but it has to have a theatrical release and or else we won't make any money and, and any like, um
0: even Danny Glover has mm-hmm. been trying to get a film made about the Haitian revolution for like decades now and Hollywood won't let it happen <laughs> so I'm just like damn, you're going to do Danny Glover like that. He did how many, like, uh, lethal weapons for you, and you still won't let him do this movie?
1: <laughs> no, we have to do another World War II movie. <laughs> Maybe we'll consider World War One. That's a little in vogue, but... Mm-hmm no hey, dude, so-
0: they want they never want to depict like any kind of slave uprising truly like because right. that's too dangerous you know but showing white people whipping slaves is like that's oscar worthy you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i was just like come on people but um the haitian revolution also was not taught in my school but it's just it's very 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 incredible that it took place but right of course it was still war like you know what i mean right um but i think that that story also needs to be told so they should let danny glover make that movie that would be good <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: they should a lot of stuff needs to happen and hopefully uh as it i mean tell me where you feel things are but i feel like there is sort of a shift a beginning of a shift in tides of i, I guess power i mean you see, Issa Rae has, like, an entire empire now, mm-hmm. and that there seems to be more people following in suit with her, but is that going to be enough, or does there need to be more? What are your thoughts on that?
0: You know, I think that it's never enough to have just, like, a couple or a few, and I think Issa Rae is going to make opportunities for more people absolutely but I think that we should also be exploring different kinds of you know experiences in every culture like her Black experience is not exactly the same as every Black experience and other identities too it's just like let more people different people get into the mix and make different stuff that's all i care about it's like i want to see different shit out there right um but instead we're often like put into a box of like well is this going to be profitable like the i'm sure the conversations before black panther were all like would probably in hindsight be like really disturbing but i'm sure they're probably like mulling over can we truly have a black superhero and make Mm -hmm. a lot of money and look it happened and so now i'm like since that happened literally you should not be saying ever again hey maybe there's not an audience for this because i know there's sure as hell not an audience for so many of these other shows that are Mm -hmm. getting picked up and you're still picking those ones up yeah but there's no audience there. It's like society has moved on now
1: yeah. who who is watching Dave or Breeders or I mean, and I love fX, but like
0: yeah it's it's very sad because I think people think that they are doing something revolutionary or new like they they've convinced themselves that it's fresh, you know, and they're still picking up the same kind of trash all the time. It's like If you're gonna go through this process and have a show fail anyway, you might as well just try something new. (laughs) You know, it's like because there's not there's no formula, there's no winning formula. And I think a lot of development people get too wrapped up and it's like but is this going to work did our numbers tell us this is gonna work did our focus group in this mini mall in vegas tell us that this show is good like that's right. literally what they do they literally yeah. screen in a mini mall in vegas and right. as if that's america but okay um <laughs> so. because
1: not not to sound too hippie dippy here but they they operate from a place of fear
0: yeah exactly and, and, and it's
1: not even good. about the mini mall in Vegas it's like I don't want to get fired and I feel like I put my life on the line or my career on the line for this show it better like tested all these things I mean yeah. in reality for anyone who hasn't like stepped back and looked at it it's high stakes gambling
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the highest order you're but they're they just
0: have the money to gamble like yeah these companies aren't going to go out of business because of like one failed show or two failed shows. They're failing shows every season. In fact, like the the um, the rate of like success is only like twelve percent, and that's oh, yeah. a that's a number known across the board. So yeah. if you know it's twelve percent, even with all of these extra precautions, why not try something new and get that number up to fifteen percent or even yeah. twenty? You know,
1: yeah. to. <laughs> yeah bring up something you name checked earlier like WandaVision is so wildly different from anything else that's been on tv or in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and guess what people dig it.
0: that's because it's fresh like I've never watched anything like that and I'm not even into Wanda and Vision like they were like the c-list Avengers (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) and I'm like why do I care about these characters all of a sudden it's like they found the way um that's like and also the mandalorian mm-hmm. i liked it better than the star wars movies and that might mm-hmm. be really bad to say out loud but it's, just it's like
1: not oh the star, star like any any star wars fans that are coming for any other person for being i mean get over yourself <laughs> get over it's yourself
0: like i got to sit with his character i didn't even get to see a space except for like twice i'm like why right. do I care about this dude? And it's like, because I got to sit with Pim for multiple episodes and now I'm like, I'm interested in this show. Right. Um, and I understand it. Like normally, I was just like, isn't Star Wars just like where they just shoot lasers and shit at each other? And, <laughs> and
1: then they blow up a big thing at the end. <laughs>
0: yeah, then they blow oh, up and the-,
1: the, force. <laughs> the, the force. That's
0: the thing. The force. Yeah. Yeah. I'm where like, yeah. These shows are like it's they took a gamble like who who was going to care about the mandalorian until you put out a show titled the mandalorian (laughs) like no one would have thought that was the that was the secret sauce but i think that we have to do more what of what disney plus is doing i guess i don't know they figured it out so
1: but just do something different i mean one of the shows that i'm most looking forward to is this thing that's been uh, kind of i won't say on the shelf but it's been kind of like not coming out basically until this year kevin can uh fuck himself but f star star k <laughs> it's on amc and it's do you know about it no so basically it follows kind of in a wandavision-ish way um this uh life of the sitcom wife to like you know any kevin james type sitcom mm-hmm. and uh you you would see this sort of multi-can world and she'd be like of course honey and just like play nice but then it cuts to like a gritty single cam when she steps outside the room and mm. she's like i fucking hate him <laughs> i want to kill him
0: that sounds amazing yeah. i would watch that see like yeah. i think yeah we need to just you know throw shit at the wall and see what sticks i i honestly i have hope i think coming out of quarantine people are gonna be like why am i just pushing out garbage constantly like hopefully right. that that light bulb goes off because yeah. now that we are somewhat in like an ebb and flow with like are there shows on tv aren't like when is right. the next show gonna like we are literally like waiting around like like we're in the 90s or some shit right now it's like right. is, there show? is there a show possibly out yeah. there um i think like now that we've seen you know how television is suffering because of just the pandemic um, maybe coming out of this it's like oh let's just make good stuff then because mm-hmm. why waste our time so we only are on this planet a short amount of um, a short I, amount of years so why yeah. make crap you know
1: I think it's almost like perhaps a um, yeah I don't want to say carbon copy but like in the 50s to fill programming hours in the day for television the three networks that you were allowed to watch because that's all there were they just put movies on on tv i still
0: think they should
1: yeah no but the thing is like people were just watching those all the time Mm -hmm. and then they were so formulaic they were like can we see something different and then the 60s happened and people did get daring and they did make things that were racy or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. controversial uh, because people just wanted to see something different.
0: Yeah, I we definitely got too complacent and, you know, mm-hmm. oh, we'll see. I mean, there's always good like shining star shows, but it's like few in comparison to the amount of crap that's out there. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think like we just have to. I don't know just just tank all the major networks or something and then yeah. then we'll be okay <laughs> yeah if
1: if the more if the sort of arc of the morning show could just happen to every major network
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have too much power to wield and then they just give us crap so i don't know yeah. i mean once in a while there's a once in a while there's a gem it's but it's not like it used to be and so no. yeah no <laughs>
1: again people are too scared and they you know they they're they're those people that are in charge are so out of touch with people they're just in touch with numbers
0: yeah they yeah and it's like they don't even watch their own shows
1: no i've been working
0: on a major network for like seven years i've only watched maybe like two shows <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like i'll watch the pilot and i'm like oh no and then right. it's like, okay, next next one. It's like, oh, this is worse. And then I, you just kind of, it's a bad relationship. It's like, you don't want to keep going back to just right. get slapped in the face kind of situation.
1: I'll never forget. I was at, I mean, it's a studio versus a network, but it's still applicable. I remember um, I was at some, some like panel uh, that Ron Meyer, who was president of NBC Universal, it was NBC Universal at the time. Um, and he, was commenting on how the past year's film slate at Universal was bad and like didn't do well at the box office. And he mentioned that like, yeah, you know, um like this land of the Lost reboot that we did, like I uh I didn't think it was a good idea and I didn't like like it, but you know, everybody's was like, oh we have this A-list talent attached. It's four quadrant. Uh, friendly, and we, we, there's so many opportunities for merchandising and, uh, you know, like partnering available, and he's like, oh, I guess, and it's like,
0: <laughs>
1: you're meaning to tell me you put so much of your company's capital into this bullshit when you wouldn't even watch it?
0: But can they make a theme park ride out of it, you know? That's I know,
1: <laughs> but I think that it, at a base level, it's like, you know, you should be at least at the very least, like, yeah, I'd use my own product.
0: No, that's just not how it is anymore. Like, I got very jaded, you know, I used to like, totally have stars in my eyes about like, the, like working at a network and like, oh, that's cool. Um, but, you know, right when I moved out here, Netflix Mm -hmm. started making shows. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, like, why aren't we doing that? And everyone was like, uh, you know, they're they're not going to amount to anything. House of Cards doesn't get
1: that. <laughs> like, like, people,
0: like, were literally, like, trying to over-explain, like, how House of Cards didn't get as many views as, like, an NBC show, so it doesn't matter. And, of course, like, you know, who cares about that show anymore because I mean, the history, like, unfolded with House of Cards and, like, that happened. But sure. I think... Um, It was just like very new at the time and I could tell that it was that was the direction of television because they had more freedom they had more money it's like even the bigger networks they don't spend money on their shows like it's like you're not going to spend the amount of money that needs to be spent here to make it good and like Disney is doing it now like with all these Marvel shows where it's like yeah they're going to spend as much as they'd put into a movie on this Mm -hmm. show and it's going to turn out incredible but if you're not willing to match that sometimes you know you need to bring in the fancy directors sometimes you need you need to bring in the fancy actors too and you know everything has to look like a movie these days
1: absolutely look at i mean you know no matter your feelings on any of the apple tv plus series like they shelled out the big bucks for everybody
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like a-list talent across the board
0: I feel like that is the bare minimum like of course some of those shows will still fail but it's oh, like it, it, sure, but sure. If at bare minimum you're not spending the money that needs to be spent here like no one's going to show up yeah. <laughs> at all so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key ingredient just money which is why capitalism sucks and you know everything costs money and you know that's why indie filmmaking is uh so fulfilling (laughs) (laughs) I
1: honestly
0: (laughs) honestly am like wow if I had the budget some of these fools have wow like it would Mm -hmm. honestly I'd make like literally a a film of a generation you know (laughs) like you think about you think about these things you're like wow I did this for how much and like Mm -hmm. they did that for how much and it's like I'm like, wow, they wasted their money. So, you right. know, Sometimes you see that happen. You're like, wow, they just totally blew it. But
1: yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> you see the breakdown of what that money is. So, you know, we're talking about 200, 300 million dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. Budgets. And it's like, but wait, the actual making of the movie just costs like that much. And then most of it went to this bullshit with like talent and promotion
0: I, like, had a a stupid, like, general right before quarantine where, like, uh, I was talking about how Get Out was only made for, like, $2 million. And Uh I was like, that is, like, ridiculously low for a feature film. And, of course, it ended up phenomenal. And I'm just, like, thinking, how aren't we letting more Black people make stuff? (laughs) Because clearly, clearly uh like the dollar stretches i don't know how it does but like i like basically all these studios when it's like a newer um director or like Mm. whatever try to lowball every time and i'm just Mm. like home alone wasn't even made for like two million like they had more money you know and that was still considered low for them like in the uh, i don't know early 90s it's just like why aren't we like past that point now just give people money to make stuff and you know instead of yeah. lowballing people because I don't know um because you're Jordan Peele he already had prove, proven himself uh-huh. time and time again right. and then it's like oh just two million make it out and it's just ridiculous
1: it's absolutely absolutely ridiculous
0: mm-hmm. um sorry to bother you the same very mm-hmm. very low budget yeah yeah
1: yeah uh i can only hope boots riley's uh, series uh blows up um what's it called Vir- virgo i'm a virgo
0: um i don't know why i don't know this but i guess i'll look it up after <laughs> okay
1: look i'm not coming after you this <laughs> isn't too, like too a much quiz time thing. on
0: the couch you know just mm-hmm. i've gone to the sunken place on my couch and so i don't know what's happening
1: i um, mean your double chaise lounge is big enough for its <laughs> own separate sunken place <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um I I want Boots Riley to make a million more things. So that's mm-hmm. cool to hear. Because, because he's making stuff that is political, like mm-hmm. and funny, like it really opens up a n- whole new lane for a lot of people. And so yeah. that's like necessary, I think. We need we need to stop with like all the propaganda um that's pro capitalism and really put some stuff out there that is a real critique and I think he's
1: doing it so that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> you well know? oh, that's another element i want to bring like it, the a, another part of like trauma porn being like we should stop doing it because it, people don't want to engage with it because mm-hmm. it's it's traumatic to watch
0: oh yeah like i i also it's just like if i don't want to watch it why would anyone else want to watch it it's like at this right. point i'm like that's supposed like that's my history too right and i don't want to watch it because i've seen enough um you know it's just too much like i think updating that is perfectly fine like i'll watch a horror movie like get out and that's Mm -hmm. perfectly fine because it's not literally like showing the plantation and all that stuff like we have plenty of that already made um we need an updated, like, kind of up. I mean, we're in a new time. Like, we mm-hmm. just need an updated portrayal of the black experience, which I appreciate in some and, of, some people's work. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and fully encapsulating the black experience. I always bring this joke up a lot. You you know Tro- Troy Walker's joke about um, doing a pet commercial, like a Petco commercial. You no, that? I don't. You'll
0: have to. So me-
1: basically, he got booked for a petco commercial and you know the copy for that is always like really lame Mm -hmm. you know like oh we got like great deals on dog food something like that so the that's the (laughs) troy just says that as troy and then when that commercial came out black people in his life came at him like man you sound so white and and in the joke he's like well what do you want me to do you want me to like fulfill every black stereotype to sound black (laughs) in this Petco commercial, like, oh, you know, I'm playing dice in the back. And we're just like letting, you know, pit bull puppies fall off the back of the truck or something.
0: That's hilarious. And I also like, Black Black Twitter is like the worst place on the planet. Like, that is literally where all hope goes to die. Like, people just <laughs> like rip each other to shreds for no reason. Right. Um, but also, yeah, you're right. Like, we need to have different perspectives you know Mm. from the black community and you know just simply having been like a lot of people um that i would like book on new negroes or whatnot like a lot of us are like in that space where we understand oh you have to kind of straddle the line you have a double consciousness you have to live in you know white world and then your black world too and you know i (laughs) you know it's hard to ask someone to be everything (laughs) it is it
1: is (laughs) i mean that's the line Front like he finishes it with it's almost not a punchline he just this is a great point that he makes with it and which is why i always bring it up he's like i am black therefore (laughs) my life is black exactly that is how the black experience were it doesn't mean (laughs) like i don't have to count out any monolith that people had previously for me to be black
0: yeah there's no one type of black like it's just um honestly, it's almost like um, some people who have kind of just bought into whatever stereotypes were put out there on screen of us, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, basically, because every network executive and writers rooms in the past, like for black shows actually had like all white writers too. And so we forget about that. And it's just like, was it really, a true depiction or you know how much did they actually collaborate with the cast you know that kind of stuff because when that um Fresh Prince um thing on HBO came out I don't know if you watched that um the reunion thing oh the
1: reunion right I didn't get a chance but
0: well they talk about how the writer's room was all white for Fresh Prince <laughs> and uh how they would kind of it was like a rare situation where the writers would actually like listen to them you know and try to incorporate some of their perspective but right you know I think that the more and more people of color end up in writers' rooms now is so mm-hmm. long as there are people in higher positions as well that oh, yeah. that will approve this stuff like I think we're gonna get a truer depiction of the experience mm-hmm. for multiple different communities and right, I right. feel like if anything like um you know even though there's a lot to hate about like the super like woke culture whatever like mm-hmm. if anything let's just let people tell their own stories <laughs> like oh yeah just like please like i
1: absolutely <laughs> i'm 100% i mean like i've had to like for me i'm adopted mm-hmm. and i have a white dad and a filipino mom i'm not related to either Mm -hmm. and I'm an army brat and that like you know there it it makes so many different boxes that I'm supposed to be part of that I'm like I you know what I'm not gonna bother with it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: I'm just gonna live my life because you guys can't seem to understand what I'm trying to say
0: yeah, was like the, the last Filipino representation, like in a big way, in the Brandy Cinderella movie? A lot of people have been bringing that up recently because... Oh, no,
1: actually it was uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, you got me there. So that's true. I but think that's... like it's okay. not enough. <laughs> so... It's not enough,
1: but that's even like a whole... So there's like a whole sort of like divide between like AAPI spaces
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like people who are adopted and that's because a lot of those spaces don't even account for the people who are uh, adopted from Korea or China or elsewhere. Yeah. Um, And so that's a whole thing. Like, um, do you know about Clubhouse, Simone?
0: Yeah, I got an invite. I have not been on there because I'm afraid, so. (laughs) I mean,
1: there's a lot of trash, but there's a lot of trash everywhere. Um, And there's good (laughs) stuff that happens, but yeah. Uh, But I got on. Mostly a friend brought me on because there's these these, uh, adoptee rooms and I've never gotten to talk to this many adopted people before. They're mostly Mm -hmm. Korean. Um, And it's been really great in in, in, having people that are at least closer to my shared experience or my lived experience than anyone else in my entire life. But in one of the rooms... Uh, somebody asked me like, so Jake, as the only Southeast Asian adoptee in this room, have you seen representations of Southeast Asian adoptee stories in TV or movies? And I was like, <laughs> Patrick, no, because there aren't any.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, I I feel you because uh, my partner is an Afro-Latino and literally even Spanish media doesn't <laughs> doesn't represent
1: them oh yeah no it's, it's not like, America so they have, they have America is the only racist place it's everywhere
0: <laughs> it's like I yeah I want to see different perspectives and literally just like what I said earlier like let people tell their own stories like if you're gonna do it right like you have to let people tell their own stories and I know like there's are supposed to be this show about indigenous people but then at the last second they like slapped ed helms as the main character <laughs> and like they're like yeah we're gonna get like a whole like uh writer's room with native peoples and i'm like why not have the star of the show be also you know mm-hmm. a native person yeah big ideas you right. know like
1: that's it i mean you know the the uh the faith that famous um 70s, I think it's a Super Bowl ad about like cleaning up the environment. Yeah,
0: everything.
1: yeah, and that guy was Italian.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, when are we going to progress? You know, it's like really up to the people working in development because it's like stop with this stupidity. Like, right, I don't want to watch Ed Helms as the you know fish out of water in this like right. indigenous community. No, I want to see a real story. Um, and yeah. There's plenty of indigenous like creators and filmmakers and everything Mm -hmm. out there and writers. It's just like, just let them have their show without throwing Ed Helms in the middle.
1: (laughs) In fact, there have been so many lists made over several years. It's so convenient for anybody to look up and just like.
0: That's also like the number one like lazy thing that development people say is like, we just don't know where to find them. I'm gonna put them in a spreadsheet. And it's like, come on, like, yeah. you can find anyone else. Right. Uh, it's right. just, just ag- in a bit of effort.
1: Yeah. You know, the aggravating thing, Simone, is like, so as a lot of what I do is even just having that latent knowledge of who all these people are. And mm-hmm. I've always pitched myself to, whether it's networks or agencies or whatnot, to be that point person of just like, I can bring you the new people mm-hmm. before anyone knows wouldn't yeah. that be valuable and they're like yeah but like I don't know it would be complicated to like bring you in and like because you I don't This like there's an ecosystem and like uh, they,
0: they like to get away with doing nothing like Absolutely. all these like diversity programs and stuff it's like it's still basically doing nothing like they've they put together a presentation to show like we did this thing this year and then that's like they wiped their hands and we did our job you know but what would
1: (laughs) i didn't mean to cut you off
0: no i was like actually just developing people and new Mm. talent and like deliberately instead of like putting it in a box of diversity like you know let people tell stories like not every um You know, I think whenever they have, like, the opportunity to put on a show with a Black lead, then it's like, can we get this very stereotypical, like, Black lead to, you know, play this part? Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's very much, like, not allowing for new ideas to come forward, but, you know. I have my gripes, so I could talk right. about this all day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was almost gonna ask you, like, what would you do with the CBS Diversity Showcase, and it seems like you would just dismantle it and give that money to people to do pilots.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and also, we don't think about this, but how many um, like producers and create creators, like, are we allowing new creators into the ecosystem because right. they're all about like, oh, we'll add that diversity hire in the writers' room. We'll add the diversity character in the show, but are you allowing for black showrunners? Are you allowing for, you know, yeah. people who are going to have power on the show? Because that's super important. Like there was yeah. a CBS show that almost fell apart. Um, the one that has like the black judge um mm-hmm. I don't even remember the name, but Mm. she was supposed to be like the sassy black judge or some shit. And so basically they had diversity in the writer's room, but then the showrunner was like a white guy and he would say racist stuff all the time and shoot down their ideas and, you know, try to rewrite it from his perspective, even though the main character was a black woman. And so like, if you don't situate even like black showrunners, black producers in the right positions to have a black show be successful then you've done nothing. Like, right. you literally have done nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had Naomi Perrigan on here uh, early on in the uh, sort of life of this podcast. And we were talking about how Jenny Slate is going to step down from, like, voicing Missy on McMuffins. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't care. That's not what we care about. What we want is, like, equity in the power positions.
0: Exactly. Because- it's- like a lot of people are like yeah black people don't need to make money or have a career right it's just like they only should be in the roles that are like hard to come by and it's like you know once in a while but like actual power positions no they don't need that it's like so stupid
1: oh yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. um but that's the only way to do it like if you want to do it right you have to make sure you have like a creator or showrunner you know in a position to make decisions because it will get diluted otherwise
1: yeah and like you're saying they'll they'll shoot down any sort of like well-intentioned uh inclusion because they're still in power you know
0: yep (laughs) <laughs> you know it's a great world we live in. So Hollywood is awesome um
1: <laughs>
0: but you know maybe people will get it together uh, post quarantine year like we'll see if people are gonna start like changing or not or what's gonna happen because it's we'll like see. a so year of reflection or right. two years really of reflection
1: yeah uh, on top of hundreds. Uh, I, so I do like a weekly office hours on Clubhouse and I tried to have a conversation about inclusion and um, that got a little testy. Uh, <laughs> even though it was, look, and like the way the Clubhouse works, like I tried to ping a bunch of different people in the room, mm-hmm. but the room ended up being mostly white. Like yeah. I can't control that.
0: Yeah. Honestly, uh, and- like no one, like, I don't know what happened, but maybe because of like all interactions being through the computer this year, I just feel like I'm on like an 8chan or like 4chan, whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in like the deep dark web anytime I'm like on the computer. Like, I'm just like, what Did people stop like being nice or something? Or like, is there like, what is going on? Um, Also... With the uprisings, that doesn't mean you like overcorrect and double down in the opposite direction of like you know the demands of you know marginalized people, but you know, I just think it's just it's basically a testament to the country that we live in and how much you know further we need to go as a sure. people. So, yeah, wait,
1: is this are you like making a platform for a presidential run (laughs) it's
0: just like why would anyone care like and also most of the time like it's just like just don't engage with something if you don't like it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's that easy
1: it really really (laughs) is you don't have to let yourself get drained by stuff that you hate
0: yeah Mm you could
1: just focus on stuff that brings you joy makes you feel better you know (laughs) I I don't know why that's a revolutionary idea to anybody, but apparently it is.
0: Yes. Yep. It is. Yeah. I'm going to try to do more joyful things since, you know, I have to kind of like practice what I preach. Like, if I'm going to be making triumphant Black stories, I need to be living a triumphant Black life. So, yeah.
1: That's that's my life. (laughs) And one of which could be a short story or a short film about making a custom double shade lounge.
0: Yeah that's a whole, that's a whole season really Mm -hmm. of a show. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, there was that show, the big comfy couch and that stuck with me in my childhood, Mm -hmm. I guess, until today. So maybe I'll find like a rubber chicken in my couch or something. And that will be something.
1: (laughs) I think, I think you can inspire a lot of people by showing the story of seeing a big couch on, um, keeping up with the Kardashians and then, (laughs) then, taking your own power and agency and making a couch your own yeah
0: and you know they only yeah they only need it because of their butts but i just need it because you know i live in this society as a black woman and i need my couch you know i need Mm -hmm. to i need to relax and that doesn't it's not very easy to relax when you're alive today
1: no you're not (laughs) allowed to you're not it's 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 you know sort of de facto illegal no matter where you live (laughs) rich people like like to think that they can escape the pandemic but you know they really can't
0: no like i mean we've seen like you know tanks like on hollywood boulevard it's like relaxations Mm -hmm. over now um that's always going to be burned into my brain like for the rest of my life so
1: oh yeah (laughs) I, there were helicopters. There were five helicopters over my apartment building because it was, I think, one of the first protests at the mayor's house. Mm -hmm. Um, People were just walking back
0: after, Mm -hmm. like,
1: you know, it dispersed. And they trailed a few people that just were kind of walking, like, you know, solo. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, pushed them up against my gate. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Yeah. And there was, like, for basically to arrest, I think, maybe 10 people. Mm-hmm. They had a bus, like 30, like, right gear caps, um, five mm-hmm. helicopters. Wow. And more. Wait, okay, sure. That isn't excessive <laughs> force at all.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I protested the mayor around Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. um, that was at the time where Biden was, like, potentially gonna put him in his cabinet. And everyone was like, oh hell no. And so right. we went over every morning to wake yeah. up Eric Garcetti. Yeah. And honestly, like it was some it was pretty fun. Like, you know, you kind of like um mm. you fantasize about just like being like really loud and obnoxious to like wake someone up that you hate, you know. And I got to realize that fantasy. But literally the day I didn't go, Shit hit the fan. Like I like looked on Twitter and people were getting beat up and I was like, oh my god, one of my friends got arrested. It was too much. So I don't know. Like I feel like um at least he didn't get into the cabinet, right? Like and no, I got he my, didn't. I got he my didn't. steps in around Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're <laughs> that's, stuck that's with him for how
1: many more? One, two more years, something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah I think he turns out right so he can't run again so that's a positive
1: mm-hmm. especially
0: after keeping the malls open this entire yeah. pandemic pretty much.
1: Oh yeah <laughs> and, and then just oh yeah we're gonna lifting I know it was Newsom's order but like you know we played by our own rules here in LA too but like lifting the outdoor dining ban is just you know, without anybody checking any any graphs, any science are like, oh, then it's fine to do stuff, right?
0: Yeah, it's like we understand now that our human lives are worth literally nothing. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. even worth shutting down HM. Does anyone like HM anymore? I don't know, but HM's worth more than my life, your life, everyone's mm-hmm. lives. Um entire I, countries, like, actually. Yeah, entire countries for sure. Um so yeah, and all that for a T-shirt that's gonna, you know, be fucked up after you wash it one time. Um, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> unless you buy the premium label <laughs> at H and M for whatever the fuck that's called. <laughs> oh yeah, we we tried to use more equitable cotton and we didn't like ugh, we didn't like make it in a sweatshop. Ugh.
0: Honestly, like I, that's why soft pants are where it's at. Um, I'm going Uh, to only wear soft pants that I already own. I'm not going to the mall anytime soon. If I need new clothes, soft pants, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I will pay, you know, whatever they cost. Like, I don't care. Like, I won't even get the cheapest soft pants because I just want to make a point, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I will not wear jeans ever again. Um, And you can hold me to that. If you ever see me at a comedy show ever again and I'm wearing jeans, I owe you $5.
1: I'm going to put that in the show (laughs) notes for this episode (laughs) so people know. Yeah. uh, And it might be a great way to, when people, when shows can happen and you're booking one, (laughs) maybe people will come just to see.
0: I will not wear jeans ever Mm -hmm. again. Um, But yeah. Uh, So, because basically, I don't want to ever be uncomfortable ever again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's not, you know, part of being inside is that I get to be comfortable all the time. Right. I cannot just do like a complete 180 and be super uncomfortable again. You know, right. I, don't, I don't know how people are gonna do it. I don't know. I'm yeah. not even gonna try.
1: Yeah. I hear you. I hear ya. I hear ya. Uh, just as one uh, last little tidbit, so, uh, Simone, uh, amidst all of her great accomplishments in her own victorious Black woman story, she uh, books stand up comedy uh, or did when so- shows uh, uh, were safe to do. What is your outlook on that going forward?
0: I think that it'll be a nice reunion. I don't mm-hmm. know what this reunion is going to look like. You know, I don't know who's still here. Who's oh, gone, it's going to be messy. Who is still doing comedy, who's not. But I'd say even if you're not doing comedy anymore, you're invited to this reunion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like those early shows when we're all back again, like, will just be super, super, like, probably awkward because we haven't like seen each other in a long time but also like still good that we're like taking the steps to get back to normal but um I totally like was supposed to be starting up sauce at a new venue right before quarantine hit and we had it all set up we had our first date like ready to go it was a
1: beautiful venue is it the airliner which is it still around
0: I have no idea see because they they had another problem on their hands like starting up a new, like, restaurant bar right when the pandemic hit, I don't know how someone would do that, you know what I mean? Like, so maybe they're still open, I have no idea, Um, but- Dasano had been trying to get a parking lot for like a year and we yeah. kept on waiting right. and i drove by they have a parking lot now right oh, so they do
1: finally yeah, so, after all this time i
0: know so honestly if we were to come back to do a reunion show of sauce or something like it's gonna be back at disano for sure <laughs> right, like right, right. um and i think that would be a really good experience i think we have to tie up the loose ends there and even though folks have like moved on um barbara's doing awesome like she mm-hmm. has like two podcasts now like um you know one got picked up by like karen killed kill company right um
1: lady to lady then...
0: what yeah lady, lady, lady is to
1: lady. on exactly right yeah
0: yeah and then with her britney spears like new podcast coming out it's going to be like serial style i heard mm-hmm. so i'm excited for that um
1: yeah she was doing the free britney sort of like well it was about her instagram but like um yeah. without even knowing what was going to happen like she was at the center of where we are now
0: exactly yeah well see barbara's like if she has time for us <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> but uh, i think we should all come back for like we were going to celebrate like um an anniversary show and then the parking lot happened and then we got the new venue and then the right. pandemic happened. So we have to like finish it out, I think. Like even if we don't like keep it going, we have to finish it out for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just have that song When Will I See You Again play on loop and then like you have uh any host who's not on stage narrate what has been going on for the other person during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I just like I miss the experience of just just being at the shows you know like and so you know i'm sure like it's going to be like the roaring 20s when they lift this pandemic like uh, stay at home and all this stuff like people are gonna go bananas like you're gonna
1: overdo it (laughs) you're gonna (laughs) overdo it so hard Mm -hmm. people are gonna be so hungover and trashed Um, people are just going to, I don't know what they're going to do for hangover cures, but I imagine people are just going to, I'm just going to be
0: like, no one's going to know how to like behave in an acceptable Mm -hmm. way in public anymore. Right. (laughs) But I think like, um, that's a good thing. Like maybe we do need to just like all have like that moment to just like go a little nuts and have a lot of fun because I don't know, like I'm in the situation where I started the pandemic at age 28 and I'm about to be 30, like, what happened, you know what I mean, like, why did I lose those two, like, crucial years of my life inside, so even though I'll probably be, like, too old to, like, really be, like, clubbing and stuff, I'm just not gonna care, because I'm, like, I have to get in what I didn't get in, like, and I'm not even a club person, like, I'm just like, and I'm just going to do it because I can. Um, There's no
1: age requirements, by the way. As somebody who goes and dances quite a bit, uh, another reason why okay, this is are killing me. Um, one of the people I know that it's I would.
0: For like guys and girls. So I, I'm really like, I'm trying to emerge with like really good skin and stuff. So like right. I look young. You know? <laughs>
1: but, but, uh... but I was going to say, one of the people that I saw all the time, she actually went dancing more than I did uh was this old Japanese lady who would always wear a fun hat and she'd always have like all these like glowing lights and stuff and like party favors yeah and she she must have been 70 or 80.
0: (laughs) okay well she's living her life so um (laughs) I can't knock that that's hilarious um but yeah I'm just like ready you know to get back out there blow off some steam like you know laugh and dance and whatever and you know I just think that going into my 30th year like inside is just stupid you know I think it's really dumb
1: (laughs) it's oh no one's arguing (laughs) it's all stupid and I hate all of it it's just yeah
0: It's because like I always had this thing in my head like oh no one's gonna take me seriously as a like female director until like I'm 27 or 28. Right. And then it's like and then once I'm like I don't know 40 then no one's gonna like want to work with me ever again. (laughs) So it's like I always have like in this in my head like this small window and I just lost two years out of it. So I have like some soul searching to do so that I can emerge and like not be so jaded about that. But right. you know, still have to keep you know that black triumphant story going, you
1: right. know. <laughs> I mean how old is Chloe Zhao? She's not she's gotta be in her thirties at least.
0: Uh I have no idea. No one no, tells Hey
1: Nomad Land yeah. is great, everybody. Go watch it.
0: No one tells their age after they hit thirty. That's just like mm-hmm. you just don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I'm just gonna turn thirty like 20 times, and that will be good. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then one day you're just like, oh yeah, I'm like 82 now. (laughs) I don't know if you guys are (laughs) keeping count, but I decided... By then,
0: then, like, you know, I'll have... I'll be wearing like soft pants, I'll be fine. You know, like um, I'll have gotten to the age where soft pants are okay again, and it'll be okay. Like, so I'll really come into my, you know, maturity then with my soft pants. Right.
1: Oh, I think you have a whole soft pants nation standing behind you, Simone. (laughs) I'm the weird one. (laughs) I'm the weird one who still maintains dressing up and all this bullshit. Um, because it makes me feel like me. Uh, That's why I do it. Um, My God, this has been so fun. Uh, This has been such a great episode. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to plug? Where can people find you online?
0: Um, You can find my really terrible Twitter at Sim underscore de and Mm -hmm. on Instagram at Simone Jett. So Mm -hmm. and if you want to follow the film, it's at 16K film on every platform.
1: Yeah, that is great um please follow that and if you get a chance somehow to see $16,000 uh like she mentioned earlier it's only $10 to watch stuff at slam dance right yes mm-hmm. uh do take it um I am the comedy bureau my name is Jake Kroger you can find the comedy bureau at the at the comedy bureau across platforms um you can find me at not the supermarket on Instagram at kroger on Twitter. There are a lot of great causes of support at this time, and I ask you to support those, mainly mutual aid in Texas right now for obvious reasons. Uh, if you have money and generosity uh, after that, uh, please just give it my way because I'm the one person that runs this whole operation, and it would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, Simone, do you have anything to say as we sign off here?
0: Um send me links to soft pants. And uh, if you want to interact with me online, you better be coming with those links with soft pants. And uh, then we can start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and that
1: is the way forward for Simone's heroic black.
0: And also and donate why, so. mutual aid in Texas too, please. <laughs> yes. Please do that too.
1: <laughs> yep. 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 Um, As I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening, and as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it! The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kruger, music by Brian Grineo, artwork by Andrew Delman and KT, and part of the Bleave Podcast family.